With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. Broncos country tonight, Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright. We're obviously getting fired up for the Broncos Seahawks coming up on Monday night. We'll have coverage on KOA, the Broncos flagship starting at noon. Benjamin Albright and I will be on, walking you all the way up to kickoff shortly after 6 o'clock. To help us preview that, we head out to the KOA Centura Health Hotline and bring on Curtis Crabtree. You can find him on Twitter at Curtis underscore Crabtree. He's the sports digital content creator, reporter for Fox 13 Seattle. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How's it going? We're good. Uh, you know, your tweet has been making the rounds from yesterday. Uh, on Pete Yeah, I'm sure you <laughs> noticed that. Uh, so I have to start right there with what Pete Carroll said. What was your interpretation of that quote? And I'll, I'll read it right here. You're either competing or you're not. I'm leaving it up to the 12s. It's game time. However they take it, I'll follow their lead. Yeah, there, there's a little bit more to the quote than you could fit on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll's not going to go out there and boo Russell Wilson. But like, he wants to win the football game, and he wants to compete. And when the game comes around on uh, 5 o'clock on Monday night and it's time to go and play, play a game against Russell and the Broncos, he wants to win it. And if the fans want to help him in doing so by getting loud and rowdy and whatever reception they bring to Russell Wilson one way or another, he's all for it. So I, I think that's basically the gist of what he was trying to get at. And I think he was trying to poke a little bit of fun at the situation, but that's what I, I kind of took away from what he said there yesterday. Well, yeah, it was it was interesting because you know I've never seen a head coach just encourage a, a fan base to boo a guy, and but it, it kind of came across that way. But if you know Pete Carroll, you don't think he's that guy. I mean, Pete's always been kind of a positive guy as far as that stuff goes. And uh, why do you think that this uh, this whole thing with uh, uh, Russ coming back and everything? Why do you think that that's that that seems to have everyone so on edge? Because it's the first game, and we haven't had anything else to talk about for six months since the trade, and. I just think it's kind of the circumstances of the moment and the fact that the page hasn't been able to be turned yet on this whole trade and situation and Russell's departure from Seattle because no one's played a game yet. And then this one is teed up on Monday Night Football, the opening week, and, and all of those sorts of things. I think it's kind of a matter of circumstance. I it does, it does speak to the fact that, look, both sides were ready for this relationship to move on at the end of the day. And it had been festering for a few years with some hurt feelings over different situations and all of that. And it gets to the point where now Russell is no longer here and they're going to have to find a way to move forward without him. And that might not mean great things for them in the immediate short term. But um, I totally understand their thinking of why it was time to move Russell now. And now they have to figure out how they're going to build their team back up without that quarterback in place. Now, I'm not, I guess I'm not asking you to tell me what they meant by it then why did ownership, GM, coach, all unanimously, when the trade went down, make it sound like Russell Wilson was the one that forced their hand? Because he did in a lot of regards. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson had a no-trade clause. So if he wanted to stay in Seattle, 
he would have stayed in Seattle. Russell didn't want that anymore. And I think they were trying to tell the fan base, look, this guy didn't want to play for us anymore. And wanted the fans to understand that when they trade the best quarterback that they've had in franchise history, that they're not just getting rid of a guy for the sake of doing it, that there was reasons behind that departure and how you got to that point. So they're not going to publicly air all of the dirty laundry throughout the years of the issues that led to the breakdown in the relationships. Some of that stuff has come out in the stories we've seen written and reported about it um, over the summer and all of that. But it was a relationship that had run its course at this point and they needed to move Russell and, and get some draft capital back because they'd lost some in the Jamal Adams trades and other, other moves that they'd made throughout the years and position themselves to move forward with the new quarterback in place sometime in the future. So I, I think that's how it got to that point. It's why um, they came out and made a point of saying Russell didn't want to be here anymore. And I mean, it's true because if Russell still wanted to be here, he had a no trade clause that he could have vetoed any trade that was out there. You know, I think we were all robbed of the Drew Locke revenge game that, uh, <laughs> that everybody here so desperately wanted to see. But, you know, one thing we're not talking about, I think, is, is the other players involved here. No offense, Shelby Harris, specifically Shelby Harris. Shelby was an emotional player. Uh, Ryan and I were, I don't want to say we're, we were close to him, but we were fairly close to him, at least, uh, you know, in the locker room, always always had time to talk to us and all that kind of stuff. And I know that Shelby was disappointed that he was traded in the middle of uh, what, what what looked like a Broncos rebuild that was starting to, to turn around. Uh, how has he been out there in Seattle so far? And if you had any indication that he views this as a revenge game for himself? I, I mean, I, I've talked with him personally. Like I introduced myself to him yesterday in the locker room since it was the first time since 2019 we've been able to be in there. Um, you know, it seems like he's handling it well. I haven't asked him about the revenge game aspect or anything. It was just a quick hello. And other than our conversations with him at a podium throughout the summer a little bit, I mean, it's, it's going to be on his mind for sure, as it will be for Noah Fant and, and Drew Locke, uh, certainly with the game uh, on tap here Monday night. But uh, they know the situation they're in, they're in here, that they're looking to be a part of a team that's changing their um, whole operation and moving forward in a different direction and looking to rebuild the foundation of a team to where if they drop a rookie quarterback into it next year, it's going to have a supporting cast around ready for that guy to try to jump in here and go with them. So I, I, I mean, Shelby's not, you know, he understands the circumstance of where he's in, but look, Pete Carroll wants to win. Like this is, they are not tanking this season. He thinks that they can be successful with the group that they have Define success however you want to, but he thinks they can succeed, and that's the message he's going to give his team. And it's not like this is their Daytona 500 right off the top of the schedule. This is everything, and then the rest of the schedule may not mean as much. No, they're going to treat it like every other game, that they want to win it, and they think they can do some things this year. Whether anybody else believes that or not, I think the majority of people out there question that pretty heavily, but Pete Carroll and the team believe that they can do things. So that's the approach they're going to take into this contest. But what, what is success for the Seattle football team? I mean, is it, what is that standard this year based on, I mean, you know, we all know what public perception is here, but what, what is the actual level of success that, that is acceptable for what this team has on it? I, I think Pete Carroll wants to compete for a playoff spot. Whether they can get there or not, I'm not certain. The NFC is definitely the down conference of the two. If you look in the division here, if the teams play to what expectations are, then it's going to be probably tough sledding. The Rams had a dud last night. Arizona's had its issues with King Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray and that whole contract situation this offseason, which was wild. If Trey Lance stinks in the division, all of a sudden seems a little more up in the air. There's a lot more volatility, I think, in the NFC 
because I don't think the teams are quite as good on this side of the conference. I think Pete wants to compete for a playoff spot. I don't know that they can get there unless they get enough out of the quarterback position. I don't think Geno Smith or Drew Locke or whomever plays quarterback for them is going to play at a top 10 quarterback level. I don't think there's any um, misgivings about that, but I think that they feel like they have enough to compete with Pete in his defensive background. He feels like he can get the defense to a level to complement what they do. The running game, Rashad Penny looks great in camp. They haven't been able to get Ken Walker going because of his hernia he, hernia he had. But generally, I think he'll think he, there's a way he can make things work. And if they can get somewhere around competing for a playoff spot, I think that'll probably a pretty, be a pretty good success for them by the end of the season. Curtis Crabtree joining us here from Fox 13 Seattle. Uh, last year, last few for you here. Appreciate the time. Do you think the fan base, because I've been listening to some Seattle radio and podcasts, and I mean, they've moved on. There's a little bit of salt still going on up there. And I think after this game, probably be able to, to move on from most of it. But uh, was the fan base ready to move on from Russell Wilson as much as it sounds like they were? I think so. And I mean, take this as purely anecdotal. I'm sure. a golfer. I play a lot of golf. I run into random people out there. I have not come across, you know, a random fan that I've met throughout the summer or anything like that that has said to me like, man, the Seahawks really made a mistake trading Russell. They should not have done that. What are they doing? That's just me personally, like in my one-on-one conversations. There's definitely fans that have that out there. But I think it surprised me that the people I have met this offseason, that there hasn't been more of that, I think. So I, I think they understand where the situation got to. Uh, it's, we, Russell's been here for 10 years. Uh, they've you know, heard his same cliches and everything for all of that time. I think it's gotten tiring to some extent when you've heard all of that for as long as they have. And, I mean, there's one play in particular that speaks to where this thing came down to. It was last year, the Bears game in December. There was a third and four from the Bears' eight. And all they needed to do was throw the ball in the stands. They get a field goal to go up two scores with eight minutes left to play. They're going to win the football game. Russell runs around backwards, takes a 13-yard sack. They miss the field goal. Bears go down, score, get a two-point conversion, and win. Pete Carroll's like, we needed to throw that ball into the stands. And Russell was like, I wanted to make a play. And it was like, they just don't see football the same way anymore. And I think that having had time to reflect on it, I think the fan base kind of sees that the, the split was coming. And now it's a matter of trying to figure out where the team's going to go from here. Some fans definitely don't think Pete Carroll and John Schneider are the right people to fill that rebuild. But I think they understand where the circumstance got to and why the, the departure happened the way it did. And that makes the most sense. I think, the, you know, the Broncos fans here, I think what they don't understand is the acrimony that it feels like that you get from Seattle fans and on on social media because they didn't get that from indie fans when Peyton Manning came back and and certainly Denver fans never gave that to Los Angeles when Von Miller left. So I, I think that's the really the kind of the interesting part of all this in 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 Denver is is Denver fans are looking at Seattle fans and saying, hey, why why what's the vehemence? What's the venom here? I, I think Seattle at its core can kind of be a little bit. Uh, of an insecure fan base and that they feel like they get overlooked all of the time, that they feel like this is a place that's great and people should want to be here. And I, I think maybe the most apt comparison to it is when Alex Rodriguez left for, for Texas back in the day where he's like, I want to stay in Seattle, which Russell said too, you know, I want to spend my whole career there, all of those sorts of things. And then he goes and signs a $252 million deal with the Rangers and everybody's left saying like, man, what the hell? And I think it's, there's some of that with Russell too, where it's like, Hey, he said repeatedly, I wanted to spend all my career in Seattle, but at the same time, he's had his agent bad mouthing the, the Seahawks behind the scenes for years. 
Um, you know, he even started coming out and blasting the offensive line last year, saying, I want to have more control over personnel and all of those sorts of things. And it just got to, again, after 10 years of hearing him saying the same things and uh, same kind of things, I think it just got tired. And now that, you know, he's no longer here. And like I said, wanted out because of the no trade clause, he needed to sign it to leave. I think fans are like, well, kind of screw that guy. You don't want to be here, then go. You know, what the hell? We'll, we'll beat you. So I, I think that's kind of where some of that comes from. All right, last one I have for you. Really appreciate the time. And and I'd love to ask you a non-Russell Wilson question because I, I but I mean, I'm, I'm sure you knew that there was going to be a lot of that, especially in this specific game. But uh, what are some other things that are interesting to you in this game? What's the advantage? Where does Seattle, in your opinion, have the advantage over the Broncos? I think the Seahawks could have it on the offensive line if the rookie tackles are able to get going right away. Um, they look coming and look really strong. Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, if the ground game gets going, I think Rashad Penny's looked fantastic over the offseason and had a great finish the last season. If he can pick up where he left off, that could be a very nice thing for him. I'm super excited to see their rookie cornerbacks as well, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Wollin. I think they've got a couple of players there. Um, out of that draft class on that side of the ball and want to see how they get going when they start playing games for real. If I have a concern for them, I think it's at their linebacker depth. Like Jordan Brooks is terrific. He's, you know, they moved on from Bobby Wagner to give him the reins there. But beyond that, I think their depth there is pretty thin. And if, like, if things are going to go really wrong for Seattle, like Jordan Brooks gets hurt. That's part of the conversation because there's just not depth at that position. Um, I think if they're able to have the running game, they think they can have their running back stable looks really solid. And Jamal Adams is a big part of it, too. They're going to have him doing some different things. If they can find a way to actually get his skill set to mesh with the rest of their defense and, and make that sing a little bit, then I think they've got something going. They haven't really been able to maximize that through two seasons, but those are kind of the key areas to watch, I think, for me. If the running game can go, if they can make Jamal Adams work, if their defensive scheme shifts to more of a 3-4 front, sinks in right, then I think they'll be a... A, a frisky team. I, I've said all offseason, I think they can win seven games out of pure stubbornness, if nothing else. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's still kind of about where I think they're going to be. But um, the margin for error is thin because if the wrong couple guys go down, I don't think that they can keep up. Curtis, really appreciate the time. Great reporting. Uh, your tweet, I'm sorry, we both retweeted it. I, I hope we didn't uh, mess, up your, threw gas on the fire. mess up your mentions too much, but uh, definitely appreciate the time, man. Thank you. No, no problem, guys. Take care. All right, thanks. Curtis Crabtree joining us there on from Seattle, Fox 13 Seattle. Interesting how asking him about that didn't even bring up the wide receivers. You got Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf. You got no fan there, but again, he's not wrong because if I'm thinking about what Seattle wants to be this year, you start with the defense, you go to the running game, and then you, I guess you end on special teams, and then we get to the passing game. So the thing that Pete Carroll always wants to be, mm-hmm. he was able to do and get away with because Russell Wilson would bail him out at times. But then again, when it didn't work out, Russell Wilson's the one that got the blame, at least in this case. Yeah, uh, I don't think you can concentrate on the skill position players until you get somebody better throwing the ball. Geno Smith ain't it. And, you know, so, I mean, trying to, trying to say that they're going to be X-factors, is going to be tough if, uh, if you got Geno trying to deliver him the football. We all saw what Geno wasn't, you know, last year. But I think they know that. I mean, you know, maybe they're talking themselves. It's like we've done here for years, right? You talk yourself into if all things work out, this guy could be middle of the pack, right? Or maybe top, inside the top 20. And inside the top 20 with a good defense and a good running I mean, listen, isn't that not what we've been saying for years about this team? Well, see, the problem with that is just like the Broncos did that with guys who had at one point been that guy. Case Keenum at least had a good year. Teddy Bridgewater had, had a good year. Joe Flacco had, had a good year. Sir? 
when did Geno ever had a good year? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And then Drew Locke, of course, was was the expectation and hope that he'd be more than that. Yeah, he got COVID, and after he got COVID through those three picks against Dallas, and that that buried him. Uh, you know, Pete's just not going to put up with interceptions and turnovers. That's his thing. He needs a quarterback who's not going to turn the football over. I remember that Bears game, by the way, they brought up. Mm-hmm. I remember that being a moment that I was watching saying, this might be it. This might be the game that Pete Carroll and the Seattle team is going to look back on and say, I think I think we need to go our separate ways. Yeah, I, I mean it was it had been a long time coming at that point, and uh, the reality is, is that Russ won them many more games than he lost them doing that. But that was one he lost. He did well, but again, he wants to make the play. That's and, a, and, and the, the front office quote say, "What are we trying to do? Win we're MVP? All, we're always going to bet on the guy trying to make the play." I'm listen. We're hungry for it out here. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's hungry for the guy making the play. Drew Locke had a little bit of that YOLO in him, mm-hmm. but the decision making wasn't consistent. Wasn't enough. consistent enough. Russ at least has a little bit more there, mm-hmm. and, and, it's and I think say, guys over, are going to follow over him. the years. Russ won them more games doing that than he lost them. It's just that the one at the end is always the one you remember. Right. And, and Pete Carroll's strategy works until they need Russell Wilson to bail them out. They're not going to have that with Geno. Those two were so good for each other because of that. You know, Pete Carroll kept it to where uh, Pete Carroll played a style of football that allowed that, and Russ was good enough that he could bail him out. All right. We'll get that interview with Curtis up at broncoscountrytonight.com. When we come back, Quinn Miters had a chance to check in with him in the locker room yesterday. We'll get to that interview next on Broncos Country Tonight, KOA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. Broncos Country tonight, Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright. Thank you to Curtis Crabtree. Thank you to Ajiro Evero for joining us earlier in the show. Those interviews already up at broncoscountrytonight.com. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss an episode of the show. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple, Google, Spotify. Hey, we just want to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Programming notes, a couple more here. Just a reminder, we're going to be on at 9 a.m. Mountain this Sunday to... Go through the Betfred Sports opening line. Going to get you set for any picks you'd like to make, parlays, that types of thing. Ben usually has his favorite parlay, four-gamer, mm-hmm. three-gamer sometimes if he's not feeling super froggy. So we'll get to that on <laughs> Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And then 10 a.m., all your fantasy questions, any advice you need, the Caesar Sportsbook Sunday pregame, we'll get to that as well. Monday, noon, Mountain, we will kick off our coverage here on the flagship. That's right, Broncos, Seahawks. Coverage begins with Broncos country tonight at noon. So we hope you guys join us there. I'm pretty excited about this uh, next couple days. Yeah, super excited about it. Uh, 
Looking forward to getting this Broncos season kicked off. Got to kind of get the appetite wet a little bit last night with the you know the Bills absolutely shellacking the Rams, just beating them up over and over again. Yeah, Alfred, uh, it was like a, almost like Alfred. a multi beat. I mean, the, the Bills turned the football over three times and still shellacked the Rams. That should tell you everything. Well, and and I I use the term truck stick. I I told them, mm-hmm. I told BK, and I told Alfred that the Buffalo Bills were going to truck stick the Rams. In that opening game, they they kind of laughed us off the air, didn't they? They, they did. There was a, there was some, some chuckling, there was some laughter, and uh, I like my revenge. My how the turntables have turned turned. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to do a little pick 'em because it is a football Friday. We'll get to that here in just a second. We'll go kind of go through cursory thoughts of the games. A reminder, of course, the KOA Online Pro Pick'em Challenge is back this football season. Presented by Circle K. Sign up now to make your weekly picks at KOAColorado.com. The weekly winner receives a $200 Circle K gift card. The grand prize is $1,000 to Circle K. Grab everything you need for the game, including full-strength beer at Circle K. But before we get to our pick'em, want to play the interview I had with Quinn Miners, asking him about this upcoming game. Let's start out, ask him how he's feeling. Yeah, feeling great. I think we've done a lot of great things up to this point to get ourselves ready and prepared for this game. Are you prepared for the noise? Yeah, I mean, last year I played um, my first, you know, primetime game last year was Sunday night and in, 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 uh, we played the Chiefs. So, um, obviously, you know, you're known, you know about the 12th man and stuff like that, but the noise, you know, obviously it's going to be a lot in there, but we know how to operate as an offense in loud noises. So that was my, my next question is, is I, and again, not giving away too much, but more along the lines of when you guys have that kind of noise, when, uh, how, how difficult really is that? I mean, verbal communication, is it hand signals? I mean, how do you guys do that to make sure you're all doing everything at the same time? Yeah, like, you know, whenever we're huddling, we're going to make sure we huddle tighter so that we can, you know, your voice can, you know, get to everybody. Um, you know, we're going to make sure we have to echo the calls that we have to echo down. So that's the center will say something. And I, if I hear it, then I have to tell the tackle and the tackle. So it's kind of, you know, there's, uh, there's different ways to, to communicate things down the line, you know, especially if we're trying to do hurry up when we're on the line of scrimmage, Russ will come and tell us something. Then we try to spread it to everybody. It, uh, that's the biggest thing. Um, battling the noise is it's a lot harder to communicate. So you have to be a lot more direct with your communication. That seems to make sense. Now, uh, with Russell Wilson, obviously the experience there uh, playing in Seattle, has he talked at all with you guys about what that environment is like? I mean, again, I, he's been on the other side of it, and it's usually very quiet. So what has he maybe imparted to you guys about what it's like playing up in Seattle? Um, yeah, I would say he's not really said much very specific. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that have played a lot of games and a lot of very loud um, stadiums, uh, you know, just given in our AFC West uh, division. Um, so there hasn't been anything specific, um, but you know, we're all preparing out there on the field with loud, with loud, uh, noises and stuff during practice. One of the expectations I guess is that, uh, Billy Turner is going to be playing uh, right tackle potentially. What for you as, as a right guard, when you have different guys kind of cycling in and out there, right tackle over the course of the off season, how do you communicate, work on your communication, get on the same page with those guys? Yeah, I, I try to, you know work on that with, with each individual person and especially you know they're not always taking all of the one reps so they're not getting the little details that we're all doing so I'm, it's a lot of kind of at times filling in other guys on what we're doing um and then kind of understanding how each each guy plays too because I as a guard for me I think I do a pretty decent job of of trying to adjust my game a little bit depending on what tackle I'm playing with so that way we can you know have the most success how much does that change the communication going from what you guys were running last year with power gap to wide zone? 
Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's the same thing. It's calling out your double teams, making sure you identify the defense correctly, and then you kind of go from there. Um, the aiming points are different, and the footwork is different, and that's, that's just we know. We've been working on that every single day since April. Um, so, yeah, it's just making the, the right combo calls and identifying the defense, which is the same thing every, every week. Makes sense. Uh, last couple here for you. So um, understanding for you guys, establishing the run, having some successes early on. Uh, Coach Hackett sort of talked about staying sort of within the structure of what you guys are. How, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, like we said, we're, we're basing a lot of things off that, off that outside zone, and we're going to be, you know, attacking all angles of this, of this defense, you know, with all phases of what an offense can present, you know, the inside zone, the outside zone, the gap, play action, screens, like there's all these, all these different types of things you can use to uh, attack a defense, um, and that's, you know, what we've been trying to, to build as our fabric is being able to attack a defense in all different ways. Russ has said this is just another game. Um, does it feel like just another game for you guys, for him? Um, f- for me, not as much, but I'm trying to, you know, slowly as I go into this week, you know, make, make it feel as such because, you know, when you do just treat it as that, it, it doesn't, the moment doesn't get too big, the noise is not as loud, and you get a lot more locked into your assignment. So um, that's been the biggest thing um, for me is just, you know, staying calm, staying relaxed, and, and trusting my training because I've been – We've all been working our butt off for a long time. Yeah, a lot's been said about this team, about the excitement of what you guys are going to be. How does it feel now just to be right, right, ready to go? This is the week. It's ready to happen. How do you guys feel? Yeah, I think we're, we're feeling great. You know, we're, we're ready to, you know, fulfill the things that we've set out to do. Um, nothing about what we're doing is held to the standard of whatever the, you know, the media is saying out there. We have our own standards and what we, what we want to accomplish, so... That's that's the main thing is staying focused on what we're trying to do and not let any of the outside noise noise um, get to it. All right, fun conversation there with Quinn Miners. We'll get that interview up at BroncosCountryTonight.com. Get to our pick him here in just a second. But yeah, Quinn Miners, man, I, I listen. The, the Broncos are in really good hands there at the right guard spot. It, I, I don't think that they would have been in a bad way if it was Graham Glasgow there, but certainly there's a there's a level of optimism because of how well Quinn Miners played down the stretch last year and what we've seen out in training camp. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is a guy that uh, from the moment he was drafted, I've been super excited to see what he could do for the, for the Broncos. He's going to, he earned a starting job. Now he's going to go out there and, and pay the way. Glasgow can back up three positions. Um, you know, he's a handy guy to have and his price tag's a little high for a guy who's not starting. But at the same time, you recognize that he's occupying three roster spots at once. Uh, that helps you out because that frees up other spots you can do other things with. 100%. 100%. So I think the, he, he kind of downplayed the whole needing time next to the right tackle <laughs> kind of deal. But again, we don't really know, at least right now, who the right tackle is going to be on Monday night. Yeah. Um, they, they try to get Billy ready. Again, we don't know that he's going to be ready. Uh, Calvin and Cam Fleming, I think, are, are at least going to play some, if not, you know, uh, if not start if Billy's not ready. Okay. All right. Let's get to it. Our Pro Pick'em Challenge Week 1. We're going to roll through the games again on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We'll obviously get into a little bit more detail on these things, right? We'll get into more of the lines. This is more of a Pick'em Challenge. But again, check out our Pro Pick'em Challenge right now at KOAColorado.com, presented by Circle K. All sorts of great prizes. And guess what? It's free. It's free to play. Not for us, of course. We're playing uh, head-to-head against uh, Alfred and the rest of the crew. But you can play against us. That's right. You can see if you're better at Pick'em. And, and historically, by the way, most people have been better at Pick'em than Ben. Yeah. I, uh, I try to help out by not picking for two or three weeks and, and, and giving people an advantage. Sure. Some people still don't beat me, even with that. So, Okay. 
Let's start with the Falcons and the Saints. Uh, New Orleans favored by five and a half in this game. Obviously, this is more just a straight-up pick em. Saints, Falcons, first game here for Marcus Mariota. The Saints, James Winston's going to be back. Might have his full complement of receivers. We don't really know. Who do you like? Uh, these two quarterbacks uh, both drafted one-two by other teams. Isn't that wild? Uh, you know, <laughs> in James's case, in the division, um, you know, get the get the square off against each other and, and and go for it. I think the Saints are a little bit more complete as a football team. I like the Saints to win this game. I think Atlanta could cover uh, at home with that five and a half, but I think the Saints will win it. Okay, all right. I like the Saints too, mostly because of their defense. Yep. I think the defense is going to be just too much for whatever they're going to roll out there with uh, the Falcons and Marcus Mariota. But uh, looking forward to seeing that game um, there. And, and again, it's a, it's a weird division. Kind of feels like it, really any one of these teams, because we're a step forward. I know you're higher on the Carolina Panthers than some. Yeah, I really am. I think Carolina's going to make some noise in that division if they can stay healthy. All right, Bears hosting the 49ers. San Francisco favored by seven in this game. The 49ers going to win this game. But this is our first opportunity to see Trey Lance as the starter for the season and if he falls on his face, then things could shift pretty quickly. It's going to be interesting. It's at Chicago. Uh, Lance against the Tampa 2 defense in, in what Eberflus runs. The Bears, of course, uh, retooling that defense again, going away from like Vic Fangio's defense into, uh, with Sean Asai running it into more of a, a you know, like I said, a four-man four Tampa 2 look. Uh, I think the Niners win this. I think the Niners cover it. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close, despite the fact that it may the under might hit. Once again, 49ers defense is going to be just too much for the Bears. Yep. There's just, I, I, whatever optimism you have about them, this isn't the week. 49ers defense is going to own that. I like the under, actually, of 40 and a half. That's what I was saying. One. The under might hit on this one. Yeah. Uh, Bengals Steelers, little AFC North matchup, start things off. My, how the uh, mighty have fallen. You know, this historically, Steelers, just one of the best teams in the division, right? And Mike Tomlin never having a losing record, all those kinds of things. Uh, they're basically a touchdown underdog on yeah. the road. Uh, the Bengals, of course, were in the Super Bowl last year. McCline to really like the Bengals no matter what. I'd say that I actually kind of like them to cover, too, even though I do think Mitch Trubisky is going to be all right. I don't like the Bengals to cover in this one. I think they okay. can win. I don't like them to cover. I think Seattle, excuse me, Seattle. I think Pittsburgh is going to be uh, better than people think, um, even with Mitchell Trubisky up there. They find ways to win football games. They're well coached across the board. And, and, and you know, there's some things that the Bengals got hot at the end of last year, but they have some glaring deficiencies on that roster. Wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers won this one. I'm going to pick the Bengals, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers steal it. A little worried about Deontay Johnson. Uh, he he has play. a status. I know he he's sh- his shoulder's fine, I guess, ish. But uh, Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris dealing with a, was it Liz Frank? Yeah, we'll see about that one, but Deontay will play. Okay. All right, next game here as we uh, roll through. Again, we'll do a full breakdown of these things on the Betfred Sports opening line. Uh, let's go to the Lions and the Eagles. And a lot of optimism about the Lions this year. Philly only favored by four and a half heading to Detroit. I think the Lions are going to give them all they have. The Lions, I just don't think, have enough defense to be able to, to top the Eagles in this one. So I'm going to take the Eagles and the cover. I am inclined to agree. I, I Man, they, the Eagles have upgraded really on both sides of the ball this offseason. And I know that you're not the biggest Jalen Hurts guy, but I think they've surrounded him with enough talent that they should be able to have some success. And, uh, I mean, again, I, I'm excited to see A.J. Brown in that offense opposite Devontae Smith. Should be a lot of fun. Dolphins, Patriots, Miami favored by three and a half at home. The Dolphins have had the Patriots number uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, they've just been a team that has played the Patriots really tough. And, and honestly, the public optimism of the Patriots seems to be crashing by the day. 
Yeah, their offensive line hasn't looked good. Mac Jones hasn't looked particularly good. The offense just doesn't look set. And Matt Patricia calling plays, I don't think inspires anybody. Nope. Uh, Miami's had their number at home. Give me Miami in this one. I don't know about the cover, but give me Miami on the money line. I like Miami to win this game as well. The Joe Flacco game, the revenge of Joe Flacco on the road, or actually, sorry, at home, hosting his former team, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore favored by six and a half. I'm actually surprised it's that low. I think the Ravens are going to just absolutely destroy the Jets. Ravens win, Ravens cover. Yep. I mean, this one feels relatively easy, and maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's because it's on the road, but uh, especially when on the heels of the news that Lamar Jackson is going to play this final year without uh, a contract, or sorry, with the, the final year of his contract before getting a new one, I just sort of feel like the Ravens are going to come out firing. Yeah, I, th- I think they are. I think they're going to put it to the Jets, and the Jets are, are hobbled right now. They're missing uh, both tackles, the quarterback. They, they're, kind of all, they're, they're missing a lot. Aren't you a little surprised it's only six and a half? A little bit. Yeah, this feels like it should be more like close to double digits, but it is week one, and sometimes we get a little more tepid on the per- predictions. Yeah. Uh, commanders, Jaguars. It's only going to take me a little while to get Washington Commanders down there. They're favored by two and a half at home against the Jags. Last year, this game probably would have been slated way heavier towards Washington, but uh, in this case, again, I think it's a little more tepid saying, well, new coaching staff there with Jacksonville, maybe things are going to be better. I think the Jags will be more competitive than they were last year. I don't know if they're going to win any more games, but they'll be more competitive for sure. Uh, In this case, I still think that Washington's a better football team. Carson Wentz early in the season, you know, doesn't doesn't falter, so it's later that he he struggled. So go ahead and give me Washington in this one. I'm going to take Jacksonville. This is going to be my first upset, really of all our picks. We've been on the same page basically all the way through. I'm going to take Jacksonville. I think Doug Peterson is going to be something that that Trevor Lawrence has been needing, and I, I think they're going to probably win more games than most people think. So I'm going to take Jacksonville. I think it starts this week, and they'll beat Washington. The Panthers and the Browns. Oh, man. This game, it's even right now on the line. And Shifted from minus two in the Panthers' direction. It did. It did. So what does that mean to you? That uh, means a lot of people are betting on the, uh, you know, betting things up, and they're, they're they're having to compensate in Vegas for the line. I'm taking the Panthers in this one. Uh, the fact that it's even is just gravy for me because I don't have to lay two. Yeah, that's a good point. This one I've gone back and forth on. I, that Browns defense is so good. Panthers defense is pretty good too. This defense might be better. Yeah, it's it, this going to be tough. I'm going to take Baker Mayfield in the revenge game, especially mm. at home versus Jacoby Brissett, but. Uh, it would not shock me if it goes the other way. Texans, Colts, in this one, Indy paper by seven. I think both of us like the Colts. Um, actually, I'm going to go the other way with that. Ooh. I like the Texans to cover this one. I don't know about win outright, but I like the Texans to cover the seven. We're doing a pick them here. It's not cover, it's All a right. pick them. Well, I'm just, I, if, if we're picking them, then I, 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 mm, this is tough. I, I reserve the right to withhold my pick until Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to tentatively pencil in the Colts for now, but I'm eyeballing the Texans. Look at you. Look at you, like a politician over there. I love it. Uh, I got the Colts. Uh, the Titans hosting the Giants. Tennessee favored by five and a half. Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee in this one. I, but I, I'm really curious to see the Giants. I want to see. It'll take what a minute Brian for Dable, Dable to get that thing going. I, I think this is a scrap it year for them. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Vikings, Packers should be a lot of fun. This is the afternoon slate we're in right now. Packers favored by one and a half on the road. People are thinking the Vikings have a real chance in this one and actually I'm inclined to agree I didn't like what the Vikings showed in terms of being able to stop the run in the preseason I don't think their defense is very good I think their offense has got some problems still give me the Packers okay the Cardinals and the Chiefs by the way I I'm gonna take the Vikings believe it or not I'm gonna take okay. the Vikings in this one uh Cardinals and Chiefs Chiefs favored by six I think we won't both like Kansas, Kansas City, City. Yep. yep easily uh Chargers Raiders AFC West this is gonna be so much fun 
This one, I, I don't know where you're going to go. I'm going to take the Chargers, but I don't know which way you're going to go. I'm going to take the Chargers as well. I don't think the secondary of the Raiders is going to be able to hold up. That's sort of the problem there, so give me the Chargers. Man, that's going to be a fun game, though. I can't wait to watch that one. And then finally, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Tampa Bay favored by two and a half. <laughs> Dak Prescott showed up on the injury report this week, man. The Cowboys... It just doesn't seem like they can catch a break, but I'm going to take the Buccaneers on the road. Yeah, give me Tampa. I think Tampa's going to blow them out. All right, and then, of course, we're going to be on Monday at 12 o'clock to start breaking down the Broncos and the Seahawks. But cursory right now, I imagine you have the Broncos. I do. I have the Broncos winning 24-10. I have the Broncos winning 27-17. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I have more faith that the Seattle Seahawks will do something. Yeah, you have more faith in Seattle than I do. (laughs) Clearly, I am a hater. That's, you hate the Broncos. That's what it is. And their defense. <laughs> All right. That does it for us. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to the show. For Benjamin Albright, I'm Ryan Edwards. We'll talk to you on Sunday morning. It's Broncos Country tonight on KOA. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.